What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 103. Today's show, baseball news. We told them last time, it'd be mostly football, not a lot of baseball. And then wouldn't you know it, we got baseball news. Go figure. Interesting managerial choices, as well as interesting personal choices for the Las Vegas Raiders, getting them in a bit of hot water. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, as usual, the last undefeated team gets a lot of grief for their schedule. And we're going we're gonna to break that down and give you our point of view on that. And Jerry Jones, that's all I need to say, because you're already interested, because everything that guy says is usually pretty comical. Uh, but first, as we said, baseball news. Alex Cora, back in Boston. Took a one-year hiatus. Well, was fired, actually, after his role in the sign-stealing scandal between supposedly a major part in Houston with the Astros and his role in whatever the Red Sox did. It's still kind of unclear, to be honest with you. There wasn't a whole lot of details there. Um, we're going to obviously talk about Cora, but A.J. Hinch, who was the manager of the Astros during the sign-stealing scandal, was also hired earlier this week by the Detroit Tigers. I almost said Lions. Maybe they'd do better with him. They might. Uh, and Tony LaRusso. That's that is a whole other can of worms we're going to get into. Let's talk about the first two. Uh, Alex Cora and AJ Hinch. What are your thoughts? People are people are very divided on this. It's either they serve their time, right? They, they did what you know. They they serve their penalty. Let it move on. Because I think they were actually the only two people to actually serve a penalty for anything. No, and there's other ones who said they should be banished forever and want to overreact and, and, yeah. and all those things. Where do you, where do you stand? Uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm stunned that Cora is back in Boston. Stunned. Um, it's sarcasm. I know it doesn't really transmit over well over recording, but I mean it, it's it was predicted many times over that Cora would be back in Boston after the year. As far as A.J. Hinch, I'm not stunned he got another job. I mean, the record on the, the field does speak for itself somewhat, and albeit the cheating scandal, he is a decent manager, and Detroit does need some help. They need a direction. Clearly he can give them direction. Hopefully it's not a cheating direction, but, you know, to each their own, I say. I think he'll be the last, the last person to do anything shady. Oh yeah, he knows he, there's a magnifying glass on him. Yeah, he is definitely um, on notice. I have no problem with Alex coming back to Boston. I really don't. Like I was telling you, they should have just suspended him for a year. MLB should have just suspended him for a year. Call it what it is. It's a suspension, and and be done with it, and then. They bring him back, and we didn't wouldn't have needed that whole charade with Ron Renicky running the team, and then he gets fired. It's like it's, we knew it was going to happen. AJ Hinch, I'm I'm not surprised he's not back in in Houston because that was a little bit more deeper, and plus they have Dusty Baker still. So I'm not really surprised. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not I'm, in any part of this, I'm not surprised. Not only am I not surprised, I love it. And people are going to go, oh, wow, really? Yeah, I do. I do. Because, look, 
they did something stupid. Yep. And they got caught. And they were the only ones. They were the only ones of anybody involved in this to take any heat. Rob Manfred thinks he's above it. Rob Manfred put the Astros organization, as far as the players' side of it, over it. Nobody got a punishment. Nothing. And these two lost their jobs and had to sit out for an entire year when they were not the only ones involved. So not not only do I am not surprised by it, I am very happy about it. Because players... For, for whatever you can say, the effect that Alex, the, the stealing, sign stealing and all that stuff had on players and, and the outcomes of games and all that stuff. And everybody has, in this world where everybody can sit behind a keyboard and make comments and not have to face anybody face-to-face, everybody has an opinion, an outlandish opinion, a crazy opinion. So I saw people saying Cora should have been banished for life, which is just absurd. Um, look, he did something stupid. Yeah. It's not like he was out burning down orphanages. They were trying to find an upper hand in a game with a lot of money on the line. Let's stop acting like they violated human rights here. Like, let's put things in perspective. They did something stupid. They did something shady. They got caught. Those two in particular, Hinch and Cora, only two, only two, to serve any kind of penalty for it. They did. They served their time. Let it be over with. And it's funny because no Astros player was punished. No. But during the playoffs and they were making their run, the media was calling it the Astros' revenge tour. Yeah, the Astros were wronged. It's like, okay, you can't sit there and act like guys who never got any kind of punishment for it who were doing it are okay. But then the manager, who wasn't even actually on the field doing it, should be banished for life. Let's get some consistency here. That's that's why I said... they should have all got a year. The players that were on that roster should have all got a year. Oh, I agree. All of them. I know you and I are on the same page. I'm talking about yeah, everybody outside of the show. It just it just it just seems like you want if if you're one of those people who just want to say banish banish them both forever. You just want what you want. You want your pound of flesh, and and be done with it. And look, it's not it's not like they gambled on baseball. They didn't do what Pete Rose did, and even what Pete Rose did in 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 this time of frame, uh, this time now, it doesn't seem as bad. No, I was gonna say when you add like fantasy sports into it, which can be counted as gambling, depending on who you ask. What Pete Rose did is not uh, it's not, not as, as damning bad. as it was. No, right. I I just look at this and say they're two good managers. Who can lead their team? You only have so many good, good managers that can lead franchises to the promised land, and and they both have done it, albeit claims of cheating. And for the the Houston Astros, that seems like it's confirmed. But if the players are not going to be punished, then Cora and Hinch should be allowed to continue employment in their profession. By the way, after all this time, Pete Rose should be as well. Um, yeah, if we're gonna do all this stuff, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ev- you know, yeah. if everyone's gonna get punished for you know every little thing, but they're gonna be able to come back. You know, uh, Michael Pineda was caught with um, pine tar on his neck a few years back in New York. Yep. What did he get? He got a few game suspension. A slap on came, the wrist. Yeah. It's like 
all this stuff that actually affects the outcome on the field is seen as far less drastic than betting on yourself in a game. Yeah. If he was out there, this guy's the all-time leader in hits and, and was in other statistical categories for years. If this guy was out there underperforming and making money off of that, I could understand a legit lifetime ban. But if, uh, considering he was always either betting on himself and he always busted his ass out there, he didn't get the nickname Charlie Hustle because he just sat there and, w- and waddled down the first baseline like a lot of these overpaid stars do today. Right. And for a long time, I was not on Pete Rose's side on this, basically because of the arrogance he kind of carries himself with, which annoys me. But at the end of the day, he's one of the best players ever, and he's served enough of a sentence. Oh, yeah. And, and been through with the ringer enough. Let's end this and let's put him in the Hall of Fame. It's like, like this. It's like the steroid era. It's the same, it's the same situation. A lot of players did it. Did some get punished? Eventually some got punished, but the ones that didn't get punished during the time frame that wasn't and there was no punishment, I mean, you should let them in the Hall of Fame. They're great players. If you're out there and you say, well, guys, where is your line? Here's the line, guys. The Black, Black Sox scandal. That's the line. Yeah. There's your clear, defined line. Intentionally uh, playing at a lower level for, for financial gain yeah. and actually potentially being bribed. To perform less than that, that uh, that's absolutely the line. One hundred percent, yeah. And you could, you can. Also, Shoeless Joe was innocent, right? I mean, you can just dis- discuss who is is guilty and who is innocent. I'm not here. I'm not. I'm not as well versed as probably you are on the on the the Black Sox scandal. But if you're asking what is our line, I know for me, and it seems like you're on the same page. That's the line. Yeah. Anything yeah. that and, and and beyond is 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 what you should be banned from baseball and actually any sport. If we're being honest. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Any, anything right. less than that, you want to you want to suspend them for a year, like like you get uh, steroid um, pop for steroids. Yeah, you get you get your suspension and you come back and you play. You may not get in the Hall of Fame, but that, that then so be it. Right, and I, I love, like I said before, about how, just put it in perspective about how the, the drasticness of the situation. Let's be real. In, in America, we put, well, the world, actually, we, we put a lot of emphasis on sports and athletes and how important they are. And that's fine. I'm not here to tell anybody that's good or bad. Look, it is. You get into it, and you have a good time, and, and you get rowdy, and you get upset when your team loses and happy when your team wins, and... I'm, we're kind of seeing that now. I've been a Patriots fan my entire life, and and they're struggling now. They're not what they have been the past almost two decades. But I've seen this before. Like before, Mo Lewis hit Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady got in the lineup. Uh, there was a lot of mediocrity in New England as far as playing went. I've seen it before. So I was a fan then. I'm a fan now. So like it doesn't. Oh yeah, they lose. They play bad. Oh, well, that sucks. You know, it's kind of a downer. But then I go on with my day. So many people take everything that happens on a, a court or a rink or a field to heart. And Alex Cora didn't personally wrong me. AJ Hinch didn't personally wrong me. As stupid as I think some of the Astros players are for coming out and running their mouth, when they thought they were going to make a run in the playoffs, they didn't personally wrong me or anybody else. They took advantage in a game. Yeah. They broke a rule, and they should have been punished, but Rob Manfred's soft, so they weren't. 
Right. Only those who went after his favorite team, the Astros. Free Joe Kelly. <laughs> um, but but no, but I mean, like, we put such an emphasis on this. It's like, oh, they should be thrown off, or they should be thrown out. No, no. And I'm staying consistent on this because people are going to say, you know, you're a Patriots fan. They've had some scandals too. Absolutely, they yeah. have. They have. And I think some of that, there may be some basis too. And a lot of it's overblown by people who just can't take the fact that they win. They can't accept it. We're all just, you're all human beings playing a game. It's a game. If, if, if you don't like what's happening, go outside and take a deep breath. Like, it, it's not the end of the world. These guys were punished. They did their time. And they came back. Now, next guy, Tony Larusa. I have a problem with this. I got a little problem with this too. Um, I always had a lot of respect for Tony Larusa as a manager. Yeah. Uh, not the way he managed necessarily, because I always thought way too many pitching substitutions, and he, he played the numbers way too much. He wasn't Kevin Cash level of analytics bad, but well, he credits himself with the creation of the closer position. I and I mean. I guess maybe up there in Oakland, there may be some stummy hold some water up in Oakland with you know guys like Eckersley and everything. But yeah. um, I, I don't putting whatever we're going to talk about as far as what he's done the last you know eight or ten months aside. I didn't understand the White Sox hiring him to begin with, and I know you're you're with there on me with oh, yeah. me on that one because Rick Renteria, who's been their coach for the past four seasons has tried to manage a, a very a very poor team, let's be honest. A team that had a lot of prospects that he had to shape and develop. A team that didn't, until the previous offseason, want to spend money to bring players in. Uh, or at least not consistently. Yeah. They did have Jose Abreu, but then they seemed reluctant to put anybody around him. And they finally did. And some of the young players started coming through. And they have other players that are getting back the next season. Like, who knows what Michael Kopech is, but that was the main chip they got in the Chris Sale trade, pitching chip at least. And he looked pretty good last year, or two, two years ago, before he got hurt and went for Tommy John, and then he opted out for this season, of course. So who knows? They may, they may even be stronger next season. Grand Torea had this team on the right track. They made the playoffs. They looked really good. And then they fired him. And we've already discussed that, so we're, we're not going to break that down in, in huge detail. But then they bring in Tony LaRusso, a 76-year-old, very, very old-school coach who has had some controversies. And a lot of that's around his politics and things of that nature, which is his business. We're not here to discuss that on this show. And it shouldn't that shouldn't weigh on what kind of job he gets. But the reality of it is, there's a lot of young players on that team. And while his opinion shouldn't affect, as long as he's not hurting anybody, his opinion shouldn't affect his ability to be hired, you should look at your team and the makeup of your team and say, Rick Renteria got this team motivated. Right. He got this team moving. He was a nominated for Coach of the Year. A couple days after the White Sox fired him, they congratulated him on being Coach of the Year as they firing him and bringing in Tony La Russa. So... Whatever that's worth, congratulations on making sense there. But LaRusa is not going to connect with these players. There have already been free agents who came out and said there's so much controversy around LaRusa. We don't want to sign with the White Sox even if they offer us money. There's been, I know Marco Marcus Stroman said that today. He's like, You can't you can't 
you can't pay me for peace of mind. Essentially, I'm going to make decent money no matter where I go. Right. I don't need to deal with this nonsense of this essential baseball dinosaur who, for what he's done on the field, deserves some respect. But off the field, I mean, I'm all for letting people go when they make mistakes. But, I mean, you got a DUI back in 07. And, okay, made a mistake. Not justifying it, but he made a mistake. All you can do is own it and move on. At the time, he did. Right. Uh, and people are, you look on Twitter, which is just it's, the place, it's, it's the place a, you can just find awful people. Yes. Um, I mean, some of the most venomous stuff in the world comes from Twitter. Uh, it, it's, it's people who are like, oh, he said he'd never do it again. Well, he made a mistake 13 years ago. I'd like to know, uh, of all those people standing on their soapbox who made a mistake 13 years ago, they've never made one in between this time. They're all infallible. They're all 13 years perfect. I'm not justifying his second DUI he got back in February. But, I mean, people make mistakes. Everybody else is excused for having a problem. Everybody else is excusing for having an addiction. Everybody else gets an excuse. Because you don't like this guy's political stance, all of a sudden, two mistakes in 13 years, and he's a scum of the earth. Now, I think it's a terrible hire. But It's all baseball related, though. It's all baseball related. It's nothing to do with his personal life. That's his business, and that's not what we discuss on this show. But I, I, I don't I don't understand it. And then to see today, I did some research on it because right. I, unlike most people on Twitter, I don't want to just go out and blindly comment on things. I think it's fair. Um, when he was pulled over and arrested in February, and I believe was it Arizona? Uh, the first one was in Florida. I believe this was in Arizona. Yeah, first one in 07, he actually fell asleep at a stoplight. Um, so, uh, this one, I don't know why he was pulled over. When he was, they figured he was, he was under the influence. And he says, don't you see my ring? I'm a Hall of Fame baseball person. In other, in other words, it's okay for me to drive around drunk because I'm a legend. I didn't debate this and that. I got a problem with that. And everyone knows my stance on, on, well, at least you know my stance. Yeah, it's a podcast. We should probably tell people listening. Oh, I'm sorry. That would work right. good. I'm, I'm intertwining what I've talked with you <laughs> as opposed to what I've actually said. But my, my issue is I, I, I have no time for people who have DUIs. It has affected not me personally. Like I, have, I haven't gotten a DUI, but it's affected my life personally in many aspects. So I, I have no patience, time, or leniency for anyone who has DUI because you made a decision to drive. Sure. And I've drunk and I have no patience for that. That being said, I don't understand this hiring. He hasn't been a manager, what was it, eight years, nine years? It's been a while since he was, uh, Cardinals were his last managerial job, I believe, yeah. And one could say, well, what about Dusty Baker? Well, Dusty Baker has a little bit more um, recent history as far as uh, managing the Nats. He's more of a player's coach. And that's the second point. Yeah. He is a player's coach. And Larusa, it just doesn't end. And I think the biggest point I can make is Tim Anderson. I saw a uh, comment by Tim Anderson, shortstop for the White Sox. He is not going to change the way he plays. And I have no problem with that because I am all for players expressing themselves. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He does bat flips. I have no problem with that. No. Um, the game needs more of that. It needs to be more interesting and have more personality. We need more. We need more Tim Andersons. We need more Trevor Bowers. We need more Javier Baez. We need more rest in peace, 
Um, why is the name? Jose Fernandez. Thank you. I don't know why the name escapes me. The kid out in uh, San Diego, um, Fernando Tatis Jr. Ah, yes. I mean, it, it, it's growing, but um, it, it, baseball needs to, to nurture that. And I hate to say this. Tony Roos is not going to nurture that. He's, he's going to no. want the team to run his way, and that's it. And if I'm Michael po- Kopech, I'd be a little concerned because he, he can burnt out, burn out pitchers. This, to me, was a lot like when the Red Sox had Terry Francona, and everybody absolutely loved Terry Francona. And for some reason, in an idiotic fashion, the Red Sox fired him. And they brought in Bobby Valentine. And that team went from World Series contender and winner with a great atmosphere in the clubhouse to an absolute joke. And it seems to be a cycle with the Red Sox every four to five years. Like, they'll struggle for a few years, and then all of a sudden, I don't know where the World Series contender, and then they're third place again. And this, this to me, seems that way. They had a, a player's coach that everybody loved. A guy that was all about the players, got the team motivated, got the team playing the way they should be playing. And then just decided they were going to bring in somebody new, uh, more of a dictator, more of an authoritarian. It's not going to work. And let, let, let's see what these young players who actually have personality. Let, let's see. Let's see when, when Tony LaRusso comes in there and tries. Uh, I'm all I'm all for old school mentality. Um, but from a fundamental standpoint, not from a change who you are as a person or player standpoint. I believe you learn the fundamentals first. I'd rather have a guy hit 10 home runs but have a 280 batting average yeah. than hit 195 and have 40 home runs. And that's what that's what I mean as far as old school, what we've lost. I'd rather have a pitcher go seven innings every five days than I can be the opener for an inning and a third every three days. I just think there's fundamentals and bases that make your team and the game better. Not, you have to do this my way. This game needs more personality. And Tony LaRusso, like you said, he will not nurture that environment. That will not be a place where these young players feel comfortable. It will not work. And and to hammer in your point, I'll be interested. I don't know where his stance on analytics is. I'll be interested to see the relationship he has with the analytics department. Because all teams are going in that direction. And like you said, he's an old-school manager. How receptive is he going to be? I think more than we think as far as that goes, only because he was always a guy who had no problem making a game last five hours because he had eight pitchers in his bullpen, specifically each one for a reason. Right. And he was one of the first guys I can remember watching an inning and seeing three different pitching changes because every different guy that came up, he had to match him up against the perfect guy in the bullpen. So I think when it comes down to that, there's going to be a lot of that he's okay with. I don't think we're going to see openers and stuff like that from him, but we're going to see a lot of the matchup play. And oh, why isn't Jose? Why isn't Jose Abreu playing today? Well, because you know Tony Larusa thought that when you know the wind shows below seventy with a three mile breeze blowing to the left, that it's just not his kind of thing. <laughs> so I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to work, and I think. Being that arrogant is a bad look for baseball and the White Sox and Tony Larusa, and I, I feel I feel bad sincerely. This isn't any kind of condescending thing for White Sox fans, who finally since 05, really 
Yeah. Had something to really cheer for. They had a good thing going. And look, for all I know, I could be wrong. Larusa could do great, and the team could be fine, and they could take off. I just don't think so. Uh, when you're already having this much negativity out of people on the team, and you have a guy like Larusa who is my way or the highway, that is not a good environment. I feel bad for them because they finally had something to cheer for. And now a coach they could really get behind just gets fired for no reason. And no, absolutely no reason. Nothing's even come out since then. Not like, oh, they found out he failed drug tests or anything like that. No, nothing. 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 Not a problem. They just wanted Tony LaRusso instead of Verfanteria, which makes no sense because his players played for him and responded to him. And sometimes the best move to make is no move. Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, it's an old cliche, but it also works well, especially in sports. And a lot of these teams, they like to change coaches every three to four years. There's a reason. Sometimes the coach is just bad. Like in the case of Detroit and Matt Patricia, he just isn't working there. Sometimes you just need to give a guy a chance to really get his own system in place. That can take a while. There's no patience anymore. Speaking of head scratches in general, the Raiders have been fined heavily. For, oh, yeah. Uh, now it's four infractions of the, the 2020 COVID policy. Um, and the newest one saw them get fined, the franchise get fined $500,000. And John Gruden himself, personally, $150,000. And the team was uh, um, docked a 2021 sixth-round draft pick. Now, they have two in that, uh, two in the sixth round. Uh, they got from another team, I don't remember. The one they will lose will be the one that ends up being the highest pick. Right. One's from another team, so if that ends up being higher than theirs, they'll lose that one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, this stems from offensive linemen getting sick, breaking protocol that the league set in place, having to be placed on the COVID reserve list. You know, some players get sick and there's really no infraction on their part. They just got it, and then they get better and they're able to come back and there's no problem. The Raiders, however, have had several violations this year. They have been fined a total of four times for $1.2 million. Uh, I guess the first one was back in week one, Gruden not wearing the mask properly, even after he was warned. Uh, there is um, 10 players who were fined uh, at a charity event earlier this year where they were seen just taking pictures and not having masks on around just random people at the charity event. Uh, they uh, allowed an unauthorized person or persons into the locker room without testing or any kind of protection at all. So, I mean, we're not we're not talking about a couple of guys who went out after a game and were seen at a restaurant. Like people want to get in the Giants for that, but in reality, it was a couple of guys who'd already played together all day, going out and having a meal. I don't really see the big deal there, but these are kind of blatant things that think what you want to think about the COVID policy. But much like with the NBA bubble, like we said, the players agreed to this before they decided to play this season. They agreed on these policies. Like, if you violate them, you're violating essentially rules at your job. You're going to be penalized for that. It just seems like the Raiders, Gruden, are just not understanding the protocols that were put in place or the reason why they were put in place. And we're not here to dispute the protocols, we have our own opinions on right. the protocols and the consistency of protocols, whether it be in sports or in public or in the government. We're not here to dispute that part. It's just 
these are rules set in place by the NFL, and like you said, they they were agreed upon by the players, yep. the coaches, the refs, the front office personnel, everyone involved. And it seems like there's one team that just can't get it, and it's the Raiders. And if you're a Raiders fan, this is the first season of the Las Vegas Raiders. And you could have a winning team. You're in a division with the Broncos, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. And the Denver Broncos don't look great. They're inconsistent. The Chargers look like they have promise, but eh, they're not there yet. So you might edge in, especially with um, what might be 16 teams. Yeah. Not to mention they have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs right now because they did beat them. Right. They and, gave them their only loss. And if they beat them once, that doesn't mean they can't beat them again. So you're looking at a good, really good season. Franchise is going a great direction. Opening up a new stadium. Maybe next year you'll actually be able to have fans in it. Imagine if this continues. You're going to start seeing suspensions. Not just for players. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gruden. Assistant coaches, higher draft picks taken away, Oof. and that and and that for me, my you know my perspective, you get into the third round, ooh, you're taking, oh, you're yeah. taking a nice piece off your roster, oh yeah, because they've already taken a six. If anybody should understand that, it's former draft expert Mike Mayock, who's the GM. Like this is a guy who should know the importance of every draft pick. I I think I think if if I am to speculate. The second he heard about the sixth-round pick being taken out, the, the phone calls made to Davis, even though Davis came out, uh, the owner, and said, what was it, draconian is what he said? Or, or some, you know, outlandish phrase that this is, this is absurd. But I'm sure the phone call from Mayock went to Davis and, and uh, Rudin's like, we, we got to stop. Because you keep, you keep losing draft picks – we're going to have issues. Right. Cuz that's what he built that's what they're building this franchise on and they they're putting together nice pieces to the draft. Oh yeah. That's a team with some with the future. So, if I'm the Raiders, I pump the brakes and say, "Look, let's assess everything. Let's get the protocols in place that we're supposed to have already so we don't lose the money, the money's the money." But you can't lose draft picks. And I think uh, Derek Carr was in that charity event, right? Yep. Derek uh, Derek Carr and Darren Waller. Imagine this happens again, and it's Waller and Derek Carr, and the league says, all right, Derek, Darren, are you facing the Chiefs this weekend? Nope, you two are sitting out. Right, Because exactly. you, guys, you yep. guys can't adhere to the protocols. Yeah, and that's that's... <laughs> and and that, that's going to start happening. I mean, look, this is we're going into week 10. So we've only played nine weeks, and they've had four violations. And, again, players from other teams have gotten have gotten it. They've gotten sick because they're not in a bubble. They are still – I mean, I'm sure they're being careful, but they're still living their everyday life. Right. And they are around a certain number of people. So, you know, the league, as far as I know, hasn't found any wrongdoing by anybody else who's ended up getting sick. It's like, okay, that just happened. They went. They quarantined. They did what they had to do. And they got better. But with the Chiefs, I mean, you have, you know, at a charity event with God knows who there, and you're taking pictures with no masks on, and you're doing this and that. And it's like, again, it's not about, 
agreeing or disagreeing with it. I bring I, the NBA bubble to discussion when it, it, it was uh, – who was Lou Williams? Lou Williams. Who just decided all on his own he was going to break bubble protocol even though they agreed to the protocol set in place and put everybody in risk because he didn't want to tell people he wanted to go to a strip club or gentleman's establishment, whatever he wanted to call it. After when he was supposed to be doing something else, when he was out on, he went to a grand, uh, his great grandfather or an older family member's uh, funeral. Yeah, because I know after that, the next thing I want to do is go to a strip club. Makes sense. But I mean, it, it's not about a matter of agreeing with it. It's these are protocols set in place. The NFL is your employer. The team is your employer. You've agreed to this. Every player, regardless of pre-existing conditions, had the opportunity, if they could not agree with this, to opt out and get paid. And get paid. Right. Up to $350,000 for the year to sit at home and work out and not get beat up. Anybody, anybody struggling right now would, would do just about anything to end up in that same situation. Absolutely. Your job tells you you can sit home for the year, don't worry about it, you're going to get $350,000. Or on the low end, the guy's got a quarter million dollars. Yep, take that too. So these these are the rules you agreed to, and you're going to get punished for violating them. I don't feel bad for you, and you're only going to get what you deserve if you keep doing it because it's just stupid and it's unnecessary. And here might here be my greater question to the league, and I'm not questioning what the league's doing here. That I, I'm perfectly fine with this. With this going on, if another team, another team, different team entirely, does one of these things, are they gonna just are they gonna start at the beginning, or are they gonna say, you know what, the teams are just not getting it, and even though the Raiders have done all this, we're gonna punish Team X for what we would have punished the Raiders for their next violation, to hammer it in to make a point. Because we're trying to get this season completed, and if you guys aren't going to get it, then we're going to make you get it. I would say probably, if any team were to do this, it would probably be more severe. Only because you know after things like this happen, the NFL sends out memos to everybody. Yep. That's why coaches got hit so heavy on the financial side for fines for not wearing a mask. Because you can wear a mask, you can wear a face shield, you can and and you know coaches like Andy Reid, and I think... Uh, I forget who else wears the, wears the I see Matt Rule. He Matt has Rule, a- yeah, Matt Rule is the fish You don't see them taking it off. You don't see them with anything. Like, like, it's not ideal, but it's what you agreed to do to play this season. Yep. Like it or not, you're getting paid a lot of money to abide by the rules you agreed to. And you actually had a say in it. A lot of people have to abide by rules of their job, don't have any say in them. Oh, I don't have a say. I don't know, yeah. I never did anywhere I worked. And you have a say in it, and you agreed to it, and now you're violating it because, eh, whatever. No. You're going to get hit hard. You know after all these penalties, the NFL sent out a memo for every single one. Yep. So everybody knows now, this is the floor. And it, and a it may, half million dollars and a sixth-round pick is the floor. And it may not be fair, but if you're the rest of the league, you're under the 31 teams, you look at the Raiders and say, well, thank you for not being able to adhere to the rules. No, nah, I don't – you know what? I don't I don't really – I mean, I'm going to look at them and scoff a little bit, but, I mean, honestly – Adults are going to be held accountable. Yeah. Well, no, well, maybe maybe not as. You much might think twice if you age, lose a fifth round pick, though. Should be held accountable. Yeah, but I mean, if you, if if you still violate it, oh yeah, you're not going to look at the Raider, uh, Raiders and go, 
oh, man, you ruined it for all of us. Because, I mean, you violated it on your own. True. So, I mean, that's on you, not the race. I, I think it would be the degree, though. The Yeah, maybe. But at that point, it's even dumber on your part because you know the degree. But regardless, putting all that aside, just follow the protocols. Yeah. Just just follow them. Yep. Okay? If Pete Carroll doesn't doesn't want to wear his mask, which he is, uh, I am stunned that he hasn't getting, gotten fined more. Because I've been seeing him walking around a little bit too much without that mask down. I have an honest question about that, though. With Pete Carroll, is it, and I, I don't know this, this is an honest question. I know if I'm out of the store or something, and I, I'm, I'm wearing a mask when I'm out, if I have to talk for any reason, mm-hmm. the minute you start talking, that mask starts sliding. I, I, I have a big old gorilla. Oh, yeah. I have a big old gorilla noggin, so it, it's even harder for me to find one that fits. But Pete Carroll chews gum religiously. Yes, he does. So I wonder, and I don't know. This could it could just be he just keeps taking it off and forgetting. I wonder if it's he's just chewing the gum and he starts talking though, like in the headset, yeah. and it slides down. Or if he's just being an a-hole and keeps taking it off. Could be either. I don't know. But and then I can you know, counter that point with, well, if you, if you have all that going on. Face you. Then you just do what Manny Reid does. Sure. And and to be honest, you've seen, and we, we, we called it. Because we said the first week, the only issue Andy, Andy was having was it fogging up. And then he got that cleaned up. Oh, yeah. You have seen more and more, not only head coaches, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, starting to wear the mat, the, the face shield more. Because it's easier to get oh, that message out. Yeah, and if you could stop it from fogging, if I had to do that, I would absolutely wear the face shield instead. Yeah. If I were one of them, without a doubt, it without may, a doubt, it may not be cool, but guess what? If you're Andy Reid, your play call is going to get to, and the complexities of offensive uh, play calls are insane. How much between you know Andy Reid and, and and John Gruden? The, the, like, I, I sometimes I don't understand what they're saying. But if you mess up one word, it's a whole different play. Right. So you're calling one play, and, and one word messes up, and then Patrick Mahomes puts that play out, and you're like, what the, What are you doing? Well, well, Patrick Mahomes' case, you can improvise just about anything right now. Uh, so I, I guess it's a <laughs> slightly bad it. example. Yeah, yeah. but, but I know you know get the saying. point. I know no. what you're saying. Yeah, I got you. All right, now it's time for our annual discussion about how – people are criticizing the last undefeated team or the consensus best team because they're undefeated for their schedule. And this is a yearly thing. And it's a yearly thing I go on a rant about even before I was doing this podcast. Those who knew me and watch football with me would have to be subject to it. Correct. And now all you fine folks get to listen to it. Uh, this is absurd. You can only play who's on your schedule. Uh, so far to this point, in order, mm-hmm. the Steelers have beat the New York Giants, the uh, Denver Broncos, the Houston Texans, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Cleveland Browns, Tennessee Titans, Baltimore Ravens, and Dallas Cowboys. Dallas gave them a run for their money. Um, good teams get snuck up on sometimes by bad teams. Mm-hmm. That happens. Uh, the Giants aren't good. Denver's been hit or miss. Denver's played some very good games this year and played some very crappy games this year. Uh, Houston... That was probably a cupcake game because that was still the Bill O'Brien era. Uh, the Eagles, yeah. I mean, that was probably an easier one. The Browns, this is back when the Browns, people were saying the Browns were going to be the team to beat. 
because they had a couple good games in a row. Baker Mayfield was back on track, and the Pittsburgh Steelers absolutely destroyed them. Uh, Tennessee, Tennessee was undefeated also, and mowing people down when Pittsburgh went in and beat them and came back in a very, very entertaining game. Baltimore, I know myself, I personally pick Baltimore as probably the best team in the league before the season started. And they haven't really fallen off a lot. They're, they're a very good team. Not quite the offensive explosion they had last year, but they're a very good team. Pittsburgh came back and beat them as well against a very good defense. It had a bit of a, a misstep almost against Dallas, but they came back and won that game because they made the plays they had to play. They make the plays they have to make, and they can only play the teams on their schedule. And the schedules are made years ahead of time. Oh, yeah. It's not like they set up their own schedule and the Steelers are like, ooh, let's play the easiest teams possible. Like, <laughs> it's the same thing as a Patriots fan for years and years. Well, the Patriots play in the AFC East. It's not a good division. Well, for years the Dolphins sucked and the Jets, well, the Jets still sucked. And the Bills were very hit or miss. And, yeah, the Pats would usually run through them pretty successfully. And they get criticized for not playing anybody good. And then they win the Super Bowl. So, well, what's your excuse now? They still beat the best teams on the biggest stage. Pittsburgh Steelers are a tremendous defense, a tremendous offense. This is a very well-built team. I do not believe they'll go 16-0, but they could very well be holding the Lombardi Trophy when it's all said and done this year. They're one of, I think, honestly, four to six teams. I could honestly see winning it all. Yeah. And there's a couple outliers on, you know, outside of that four to six, but I, I, I don't understand it. It's ridiculous. You can't you, – you can't – Blame them for not beating who's on their schedule. It was the same with Dallas last year. If you want, go back and find, I think it was sometime around week six we did an episode and I was defending Dallas, which takes a lot. Yeah. But the same thing. They're not a good team. They're not this. They're not that. Well, they beat who's on their schedule. What do you want them to do? Lose? Like, come on. Look, to add context, they beat the Giants by 10. They beat the Eagles by 8. And they, like you said, they blew out the the Browns. Other than that, all the other games, one 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 possession games. And obviously, if you dig deep, maybe a couple of them were last second touchdowns, and then they needed on uh, the opponent needed an onside kick. That that withstanding, all these games are close. But they're still a very good team, well built, sound, young players contributing, veteran players contributing. Albeit they're missing their one of their best defensive players in Devin Bush now. So they have to kind of figure that whole situation out. And they're working through it. But they have an opportunity. I think they have an opportunity to run the table. When they're facing the Bengals, the Jags, the Ravens, the football team. Still so, seems so weird to say. It does. <laughs> the Bills. The Bengals again, the Colts, and the Browns. So they have an opportunity to run the table. Will they? No. Especially with the news with, you know, Big Ben got is on the COVID list. Yeah, he may not. He may not play this weekend. He may not. But, but we saw so saw. Yeah, it's Stafford could too. So Stafford was on the COVID list, and I thought, well, there goes my uh, my bank pick for last week, and then he ends up playing somehow and not getting it anyways, and not getting it anyways. Um. But then he also apparently got both knees hurt last weekend, which sucks for him because I saw the one, but I didn't notice the other. He's lucky that he slipped on that turf, though. Oh yeah, because if his if his if his cleats held ground, 
You'd be looking at two blown out knees right now. So good for him. I think they're going to need to manage uh, Big Ben. Uh, they need to run the ball a little bit more to, to help him out. The bye week, I don't know when it comes, but it's going to be needed. Unless they already had theirs. I don't know. But I, I, I think I think it's um, after the Ravens game and before the Washington football team's game. But Steelers had their bye week four when they couldn't play the Titans. Remember? Okay. The oh, that's right. That's right. So it was supposed you, to be later, but it ended up being week four. So, so they're in a, a bind right now with that situation. But I think they can get through it. They can manage it. Obviously, if they don't have Big Ben practicing, that will help. And their 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 offensive receivers are very skilled. Claypool is a monster. Juju's Claypool and Juju, man, the next coming years are uh, going to be yeah. very dangerous combination. Deontay Johnson's very good. Yeah, he's no slouch. J- James Washington, if you sleep on him, he'll make you pay. Like he did this past weekend. Well, James Washington is your fourth best receiver. You're doing pretty good. Oh yeah. So uh, it's it's just like you said. It's a well constructed team. Tomlin didn't deserve to get fired. Managed to get his team almost to the playoffs. And and what what did the Steelers get for that? They're getting this. They're getting a eight and team driving into the playoffs. They put the Ravens in the back seat right now. For now. They'll face him again later in the season. I'm just, I'm impressed with the turnaround. Oh, absolutely. And it all started with one player, with Big Ben being actually able to stay on the field for now. He's been able to do throughout his entire career. The guy's always been tough. I've never always been his biggest fan, but he's yeah. He sucked it up a lot and played when a lot of other players would have taken a few weeks off. Uh, as far as you, you said with their schedule... I don't believe they'll go 16-0 either. Just for the sake of argument, like you said, they have Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Baltimore, Washington, Buffalo, uh, Cincinnati again, Indy, and then Cleveland. Uh, I think they'll beat Cincy both times. They're a really, really far, vastly improved team, the Bengals are, but I don't think they're going to beat Pittsburgh uh, as of right now. They might change later in the season. Um, Baltimore could give them a problem. They have them in three weeks. Two weeks after that, it's Buffalo, and two weeks after that, it's Indy. So weeks 12, 14, and 16, Baltimore, Buffalo, and Indy are three teams that could potentially, I think, uh, you know, give them that first loss. And all hinges on one thing. The Big Ben's knees, Yeah, will they hold up? If they hold up and he can continue to manage his offense and the defense stays healthy, yep, they, you could be looking at a historic run. What he, what, what he, needs, what he needs is... At the end of the third quarter in a couple of these games, especially preceding, you know, I don't think it'll have I mean, let's take the Jaguars, for example. If they can if they can wrap it up in three quarters and then bring out Mason Rudolph for the fourth quarter, that that can get some extended time for Big Ben sure. to rest for the Ravens game. And, and he's then, also a veteran, so he's not gonna have to take the impact in practice that a lot of right. other guys would. I mean, he's Tomlin it's not a special treatment, but I mean you got to protect your stars. Like there's a there's a clear difference between Ben Roethlisberger and then Mason Rudolph. Oh yeah, clear difference, and he knows it. And the second he loses Big Ben, he's got Mason Rudolph. That that offense is not even close, and especially with Devin Bush gone, he does not have the defense to push his team across the finish line. 
who can make the playoffs because I think with eight wins, they're pretty much close to locked into the playoffs, but it won't it won't go any farther than the first round. <laughs> All right. Speaking of <sighs> speaking of uh, first round, we bring you to a team that's going to have a high pick in the first round, and that is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you know, they start the season, they can't they can't get a long-term deal done with Dak Prescott. Understandable, Dak had a high asking price. Come into this season, Dak is playing out of his mind. MVP caliber. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I have not always been a believer in, in the overall talent of Dak Prescott until I saw him play this year. He kept the team, despite their poor record, up until he went out. He kept the team in games. Essentially single-handedly, because he had to throw the ball because they were down so much because their defense is awful. Um, I, he gets hurt to go to Andy Dalton, and they can't do a damn thing. That offense is abysmal. It is terrible. Okay, so Dalton, in concussion or concussion uh, protocol. Concussion protocol, yeah. Uh, so you get that. And then they bring in a third stringer. Not the kid they brought in this past week, but it was somebody else. Uh, the Danucci? Uh, Danucci, yeah. Uh, he was a, dra- a rookie, I believe, dra- low-round, round, sixth, sixth round pick. pick yep. um, did not do no, much no. at all. He looked really bad. He looked like a deer in the headlights out there. So then they go into this week. They Obviously, they're not having Dak for the rest of the year. Uh, they, the Dalton Stone concussion protocol. Danucci... Yeah, no. Did not eat. No. Uh, and, and so they bring in this kid, uh, uh, Gilbert. Yeah. What's his first name? Uh, Garrett. Garrett Gilbert. Garrett Galbert. Galvin Gilbert. I don't know. They also brought in Cooper Rush. Uh, Gilbert played really good. He did? Made some nice plays, made some nice throws. Had, you know, almost pulled off of, the win. A couple of errors. Almost pulled off the win against the, the still undefeated Steelers. And... So if you're the Cowboys, you have to say in a season where literally everything seems to be going against you, you have to say, well, I mean, let's keep this Gilbert kid in there. Oh, yeah. Why not? See what we got. Develop him. Who knows? Who knows? You could have a star on your hands, especially if you can't come to an agreement with Dak and you don't want to pay the high price for the second year of um, of the franchise tender, which would be an astronomical cap hit against a Cowboys team that May not have a next year with a reduced cap. No. Jerry nope. Jones comes out and says, when Andy Dolan is healthy, he's a starter. Interesting move. Not this Gilbert kid. No. And by the way, Dax is starting quarterback, even though he has no contract for next season. He's a starting quarterback, and they are not taking a quarterback in the draft, even if they have a top five pick and an opportunity to take it. Dax, their guy. So, I mean, it's just kind of more mixed signals from Jerry Jones and, and the Cowboys in general. They had at least some solid direction. Dak isn't guaranteed to come back, but you do have the potential to cap him if you want to. And you can negotiate with him, obviously. Dalton didn't do anything with this offense. Looked terrible. Danucci didn't do anything look terrible. You have Gilbert in there. Looked serviceable to good. I mean, who knows? You could have just been beginner's luck, but you got to at least ride with that and see. I mean, you have nothing to lose this season. You're still in position to win this division. As piss poorly as you've played, you can still win this pathetic NFC East and get in the playoffs. 
and we're going back to Dalton. Okay. Dak's our guy. We're not taking the topic. It's like, don't say you're not taking a quarterback. Jerry, make teams wonder. Oh, yeah. Make teams wonder. I mean, obviously, if you sign Dalton to a long-term extension before the draft, you're not taking a quarterback. But make those teams that aren't sure they're going to be in the top five or they're going to be in a position to get one of the, as of now, two between uh, Trevor Lawrence and uh, Justin Fields, two believed to be top quarterback picks. Make teams wonder. Because you can turn around, if you end up with that one of those picks, say the Jets somehow win a few games, and you end up with number one, and you could take Trevor Lawrence, who is as much hyped as any prospect I can remember. Granted, I'm not the biggest college football fan, but I cannot remember the last time anybody had this much pure He hype. is above the hype for Andrew Luck. Yes. There, there's no question. I don't, I don't remember anybody as hyped as this kid. Uh, nobody. And... In any position, you could turn around to a team and absolutely fleece them. Because you could say, well, we, we, we're going to just draft them, or we're going to see what happens. Or we're going to trade them over here. With the hype, of, I know this is a lot. With the hype of this kid, if they were to end up in position to get him, yep. I would not be surprised if they could get three first-round picks. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. Completely rebuild their team from the ground up and still have Dak. And that's if they get a first, if they get the first overall pick. Chris, if they get the second overall pick and Justin Fields is there, I would dare to say they can still get equal the same value. Yeah. He, he is just as good. And I'll hammer your point in, Chris, because I just did a little a little quick search on the, um, the draft site I usually uh, go to um, when I start doing my work on it. Quickly to the top 10, you're looking at quarterback, wide receiver, offensive line, and defensive line. What do the Cowboys need? Oh, and did I say, did I say wide receiver? Yes. Okay. What, what position out of those four, if you're, if you're saying Dak Prescott is on the team, what position out of those four do you actually need? Uh, I think based on how I've seen him perform, I go defensive line. Right, and that's at the low end of the top 10. Yeah. So realistically, if you look at it, and if they get top five, uh, there's not re- – I mean, borderline the fifth pick maybe, but top three, you're not taking it. They're not taking anybody outside of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Jamar Chase. And they don't need any one of those three players. And every team knows right now they're not taking Jamar Chase because they have Amari Cooper, they have CeeDee Lamb, they have Michael Gallup. There's no need. And he just said he's keeping Dak. So he's not taking Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. You just devalued your position right. in the trade market because, yet again, Jerry needs to step on his own, own feet. Jerry's got it. Jerry Jerry has a word quote every day. And even if it hurts his team long term, he's, he's got to use it. it, it it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And let's not, let's not leave Stephen Jones off the hook because he's kind of the second in command. Nah, he knows what he's taught, though. He said the sa- same thing, although he, he added Mark McCarthy. That Dak and McCarthy will be back next year. So you just devalued your position because you want to say Dak Prescott is our quarterback. You can say that behind closed doors. You can sit there and talk with Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to bring you back. We're going to talk about it as soon as the new league year starts. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll hammer out a deal. 
No. Because if you get the you get the second overall pick, no one's going to take you seriously. Nobody. And, and here's the thing. Um, I know the trade deadline came and went, but they could still negotiate with Dak right now. They could. He's still he, he's under contract with the team. They could just get this out of the way and do it. No, no, I do believe it's smart they're not because you want to see how that ankle heals. But Dak's our guy. Jerry 100% knows Dak's the guy. But, yeah, we're not going to work on a negotiated contract right now. Let me tell you something. Dak may have said when the season started, I'm not negotiating. That was before he busted his ankle through and broke the skin with a bone. Right. That was before that. You go to Dak now with a good contract offer, I bet you anything Mr. Prescott's a little bit more likely to sign. And can I can I add a little bit of extra context to that? Trevor Lawrence has been coming out saying he's not 100% committed on going to the NFL this offseason. Because the obvious case, the Jets are awful. The team is awful. The front office is awful. The head coaching is awful. And the ownership is awful. And the head coach is awful. I said the head oh, I know. I just want to say it oh, again. Okay. I just want to say it again. So, Adam so Gay sucks. My point is... He doesn't want to go to the Jets. So let's say the Dallas Cowboys get the first overall pick. Jerry Jones just said he's not tr- he's he's going to have Dak Prescott. Right. So what does that mean? That means the first overall pick is on the board is, is available on the block. You're Trevor Lawrence. Now the now the Cowboys have to negotiate with Trevor and another team. And if it's the Jets calling saying, "Oh, we we want Trevor." Trevor ain't going to go. And if what what if Justin does the same thing? I don't want to go. They're not. They're not going to want to. They're not going to want Jamar Chase, and none of the other quarterbacks. You're t- you're going fifteen to twenty for the next one. I'm sorry. Again, I will hammer the point in. They screwed up their 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 trading stance, their position with that one statement. Yeah, I mean, I I I don't know. Maybe maybe Jerry will learn a lesson, but I wouldn't bank on no. it. And I would go with Gilbert. I, I would agree. too. I would 100%. go with Gilbert. I, get, I see what the kid has. I mean, you can still win the division, and the kid showed something last week against a damn good Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Yeah, he looked like a deer in the headlights at points. He looked a lot better than Danucci or Dalton did. Run with it and see. And if he ends up sucking, well, put Dalton back in in two weeks when he comes back. Who cares? Just to say that automatically now, you just you've just undercut this kid. So he knows no matter what he does, Dalton's a starter when he comes back. I mean, not that that should hurt his performance, but, I mean, it's going to get some people's psyche. Would you say it's different than when Anthony Lynn said Tyrod Taylor's our quarterback, even though he's injured, and they still had Justin Herbert, only because Herbert is... I think that would have been a bad move because... Well, he did say that. I know he said that, I think, but he didn't do it. Um, right. And who, know, who knows how it goes. If the Cowboys go out this weekend and win, would it mm-hmm. end by this week? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Uh, no, actually, they, they think they are by, so they, they aren't going to be able to win. <laughs> they can't lose, though, so that's good news for Cowboys fans. Um, and if the Eagles have anything to say about it, they can gain a half a game. Uh, but, I mean, I, 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 it's a little different. I don't know. It's, I think that was more towards just showing respect to Tyrod Taylor for not losing his job because of a medical mess-up. But on the other hand, Tyrod, Tyrod knew why he was there. It's the same with Ryan Fitzpatrick down in Miami. You know why you're there. You're there to be serviceable until you know the the next in line's there. Um, 
I mean, I guess it could kind of be the same. Just a little bit different. I don't Gil- know. Gilbert wasn't that high pick, whereas Justin, yeah. Justin Herbert. Herbert knows he's going to get his opportunity. It's a matter of when it's best for the team. Whereas this, this you know, Gilbert kid's just like, man, I came out and I played my ass off. And right. now the guy who couldn't throw the ball more than eight yards is, <laughs> is going to take my job no matter what I do. It doesn't make any sense. Conversely, you could say, well, Gilbert knows his time is, is, is short. And you're right, they are on him by this week. If he get, if he gets the next game, he's got to make he's got to make it worth it, yeah. And try to try to it, it can go both ways. All I'm saying, the kid deserved another chance. And if and if I'm Mike McCarthy, I wouldn't say Andy Dalton. Oh well, that wasn't that was Jones that said it, right? Yes. Well, of course, because he run, he he is the de facto head coach. But if I'm McCarthy, I'm like, look, we're going to the bye week. We're going to assess. The entire quarterback situation there, and then we will have a decision made for next game when next game right, comes. Right. That doesn't put Gilbert in the position to be the starter. That doesn't put Andy Dalton in the position to be the starter. But I don't think Andy Dalton didn't come in this season thinking he was going to start. No, he was coming in being the backup, and he knows he knows his time is short because he's been in the league long enough to know. I only got so many years left, whereas Gilbert's got a lot to prove if he wants to try to get in position to actually get a starting role. All right, anything else? You want to move on to Banker Tank? Move on to Banker Tank. All right. Well, last week you had a better week. It's looking a little bit, uh, things are looking up for you. Back to the status quo. I mean, hey, I'm 500. I can't, I can't complain. I mean, there's a lot of teams in the NFL that would love to be 500 right now. Right. Got to think of the positive, Chris. Hey, there you go. Turn that front upside down. Last week, I was four and two for an overall record of thirty-one and twenty-three. Ben was three and three, and he is the exact opposite, twenty-three and thirty-one. And number one, a fan of the show, Tammy, also who uh, participates every week in Banker Tank. We greatly appreciate that, and encourage everyone else to join her and leave your Banker Tank picks under the. Banker Tank post in the comment section. Ben puts it up sometime around Thursday or Friday. Uh, she was three and three, and she's five hundred on a year overall at twenty one and twenty one. So she didn't play, I believe, till week two or three, and she almost yeah. has as many wins as Ben. So Correct. she may start doing this show with me, and we'll just we'll have Ben just pick when she puts the post up on Friday. So does that mean I just I just do the the post and that's it? You can be a social media guy. Oh, I mean, God knows you can't pick. That's fair, but. All right, enough, enough shenanigans. We'll get around to our picks for Week 10. Ben, what do you got? All right, so I'm going to go uh, Jared Goff, James Robinson, and Ken Allen. We've we've discussed Seattle's defense, correct? Their pass defense yeah, more specifically? not good. Not good. 32nd in the league. So that's why I'm going to go that's, with Jared. That's last. Yes. Yeah. That's why I'm going with Jared, even though we, we understand my, my opinion of Jared. And, yeah, you don't like him very much. And the... the Offense of the Rams. But that being said, a bad defense, or <clears throat> let me let me specify that bad secondary is a bad secondary, especially if they don't have Shaquille Griffin. Yeah, and I gotta say, Jamal Adams does not look like the same player. And I know he's only one game back, but even the few games he played, he did not look like the same player 
so far in that Seahawks system that he was with the Jets. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I that we beginning of the season we're looking at uh, Jamal Adams, we're looking at um, Dunbar, we're looking at Griffin, and who's the other safety that they got from uh, Detroit last year? I don't know. I can't remember. He's pretty good though. Apparently not. That that secondary is just getting yeah, unit is shredded. Not something's not working there, which is very very odd for a P. Carroll team. And it could be. We can be honest with this. It could be the pass rush. Could be. Because that, that's non-existent as well. I mean, it's a lot harder to defend people for extra seconds when you can't pressure the opposing quarterback. So, Who you got? I have Joe Burrow, Chase Edmonds, and Michael Thomas. I'm going to highlight Michael Thomas. Um, first game back this past week against the Buccaneers. And, I mean, he. everybody in that offense contributed. I think Drew Brees hit, like, 10 different receivers or something. It was ridiculous. Like, he was spreading the ball around. Kamara was doing his thing. So, even though it was his first game back, he didn't have a huge impact. I think he had, like, five for 50 or something, which is, you know, respectable. Right. Um, it might not have been that high, but I think he had, like, seven or eight fantasy points. Um, you certainly want more from him. I know I do, as I made him the sixth overall pick in our draft. And I finally got to have him active on the team for the first time since week one when he did nothing against the Buccaneers. So I think going into this game against a very, very beat-up 49ers team, um, I absolutely see him on the same level as a Devontae Adams. Adams is more of a big play guy. Yeah. And, I mean, far, I mean, big play ability Adams has him by a mile. I think if you're talking overall possession receiver, Thomas is the best in the game. Um. Yeah, I think he's having a real good day against San Fran. I think it's just going to be a Michael Thomas game. I wouldn't be surprised to see him absolutely blow away the projection. See him get like, I don't know, like 10 catches for 120 and two touchdowns or something crazy like that. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with Michael Thomas this week. All right. So I'm going to go with, and I know it's a flip from last week. I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford to, bank, uh, to tank this week. You know he's going to go off for like 400 yards and five touchdowns. Oh, that, that is it's totally you, possible. Just because you picked him, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor, and then I'm going to go with A.J. Brown. So, my my issue with Jonathan Taylor is is twofold. Uh, one, he I the glaring issue of his issues at Wisconsin is fumbling, and he made that relevant this past weekend with the fumble in a key moment. Number two, Tennessee hasn't given up a 100-yard rusher since week three, and that was, of course, Dalvin Cook. Um, Who rushes for 100 yards in his sleep. Right. I just, I just, the math doesn't work out for Jonathan Taylor to be successful this weekend. And Naheem Hines is obviously the receiving back in this game, so he doesn't have that extra boost that, say, you know, James Robinson has that extra boost of in the past game, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire can get a little depth from in the past game. Same with CMC, Alvin Kamara. It just doesn't seem like Jonathan Taylor's gonna be able to get to his projected eleven points against the Tennessee Titans team. That's just just not gonna give up the yards. And the only hope he would have is getting a touchdown, which I, I see as not realistic in this game. 
I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. Derrick Henry, and Tyler Lockett. I'm going to highlight Tyler Lockett, go with both receivers this time around. I love Tyler Lockett. So do I. Um, yeah, now you do. Now they talk you into it. Oh, we're, I have the evidence. This isn't this isn't network news. I'm going to prove it. Um, I mean, Lockett's great, but with the fact that DK Metcalf has stepped into his role as, I, I'd have to say, uh, damn near an elite receiver. Uh, and the fact Russell Wilson can throw one of the most beautiful deep balls of anybody I've ever seen to just about anybody on that team. Uh, Lockett, it's not a talent thing. It's just a game plan thing. And he is hit or miss. I mean, he had that 15 catch for 200 yard and three touchdown game against the Cardinals. However, uh, not discounting their bye week, four of the previous, uh, four of, of the weeks, two before and two after that Arizona game, uh, he 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 didn't he didn't eclipse 45 receiving yards. That's not good. So. He is very big play dependent to have a big game. Yeah. I, I, I would absolutely venture to guess that all 40-plus of those yards and three or four catches he had in those games are probably first downs and probably key moments because Tyler Lockett is he's a big-time receiver. He is. But you're not – I don't know if Ramsey's going to be on Lockett or if Ramsey's going to be on Metcalf. Uh, but either way, against that Rams secondary, you're not hitting more than likely – I can never discount Russell Wilson because he throws such a damn good deep ball. More than likely, you're not hitting big plays against that Ram secondary. They can rush the passer. Wilson's not going to be able to stand there and throw the ball. And they've lost two of their last three games. They're reeling a little bit. Buffalo secondary isn't nearly as good as the Rams overall, uh, which I with Tredavious White and Poyer and guys like that, I didn't think I'd save before the year started. But I don't think you're looking at a monster. Metcalf's going to get his. Lucky could get some receptions. He's not going to get shut down. But you're not looking at a 200-yard game by any means. It's not going to be. If you have another option other than Tyler Lockett this week and you were just not going to flex on him, you may want to take that other option. Now that I just said uh, it took five minutes to say what I could have said in 30 seconds, anything else? Game of the week. Always forget game of the week. Well, that's why I'm here to help. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of options this week, Chris. And I, and you know me, I'm a draft guy. I love the young, oh, yeah. young players. Yeah. I like to see them up and coming and perform. I'm going with the Chargers at the Dolphins. Tua, be a fun game. Absolutely. Tua versus Herbert. I'm more of a Tua guy, obviously. I've spoken so much about him. And I'm still on the fence on Justin Herbert. I just, I just, I don't know. I think both those guys are going to be so good. I, they really, they really look good it, so far. Uh, um, let me be clear. I am not saying he's going to be bad. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's going to be underwhelming. I'm just saying I don't know. Right. This is not me saying about Josh Rosen. I was very clear on Josh right, Rosen. Right. And and I know we don't have record of that from the beginning, but if anyone's listening. Chris can attest. No, I was, it was true. And I like proving Ben wrong as much as anybody, especially when it comes to football. But he was – to say he was low on Rosen to begin with was it would be an understatement. And if you want a, a opposite, Johnny Menzel. I was very yeah. high. Yeah. A lot of people thought he was going to be more than he was. Uh, but I, I want to see what 
I mean, other than one of these guys going against Joe Burrow, this is this is on that same level. So I want to see. I want to see who's gonna show because Herbert's got more time so far than than Tua. But I like the future for both of them. I'm gonna go with the Bills at the Cardinals. That's a good matchup. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be a really fun game. It's gonna be a high scoring game. Bills coming off a huge win against Seattle. And just looked completely dominant. I know Seattle did almost mount the comeback a few times, but every time, every time the Bills had the answer, they did. And that defense isn't great, but they're good. Yeah. And when you add in how efficient that offense can be, um, it's going to be exciting. If you get if you get uh, peak Bills versus peak Cardinals in this game, you're going to have the game of the year. Never mind game of the week, because. Two quarterbacks with a very different size, mind you. You have the the under undersized um, compared to Josh Allen, uh, Ty- Kyler Murray, who's a smaller guy, but I mean, all the talent in the world. Uh, and then you have the much larger Josh Allen, but they both do a lot of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. They're both exceptionally mobile. They both have strong arms. They can throw. I mean, I think Murray's a little bit more accurate than Allen, but Allen's worked on it a lot this year, and he's looked really good at times. Great quarterbacks, both have a strong running game, uh, really good receivers. Even the secondary receivers are really good. This, I think the defenses are just about on even playing field. This, this is, if you're looking for a game to watch, if your team's on by or uh, they play a different time slot, check this game out. This is going to be a fun game to watch. I think the Bills win. Plus, I think the Bills win. I think they're mentally tougher, honestly, right now. Plus my guy's playing in it. Oh, which one? Isaiah Simmons. Which one now? Isaiah Simmons. Okay. My, my guy. Which, by the way, he's incrementally getting more and more playing time. Oh, yeah. I'm I mean, you got, you got, here's the thing. you got a player like that who can do as many things. you yeah. kind of got to find his niche. So, well, it's fair it. enough. And I think, I said the Bills, I think, are mentally tougher. I, I don't think the Cardinals are, are bad by any means. I just think they have a lot of young players and... I think the bill the bills are farther along in that process. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like it's not a knock on the Cardinals. Cardinals are great and they're going to be there all year. But I think, I think the Bills. You're talking two heavyweights punching, get the last punch in. Bills benefited from that playoff run last year that Arizona didn't have. Yeah, but Arizona is going to be just fine. Don't 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 shed any tears oh, yeah. for them. Oh yeah, they're a hell of a team. They will be for years to come. Anything else? I am all set, sir. All right. Well, if you have any comments, questions about anything you've heard on this show or previous shows, anything sports-related in general you'd like to ask Ben or I, we would love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSpod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. Or the website, bctspod.com. And once again, thank everybody for your support. Downloads still looking great. Getting better and better every week. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving a rating and a review. Maybe tell a friend. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe and stay healthy. And we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.